UMass went up to Burlington on Friday for a matchup with the Catamounts and came home with a 2-1 overtime loss, thanks in large part to some very questionable calls. We're breaking everything down in our game recap, so let's go. Character. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 102 of High Character. UMass went up to Burlington, Vermont for their third game of the season against the Vermont Catamounts, and they came away with an overtime loss, 2-1. to one. A lot of people in our mentions on uh, all forms of social media are saying this was the worst ref game of hockey that they've ever watched in their life. We'll definitely be getting into that as we go along here, but my name is Cameron, and once again, I am joined by my good pal, Evan. Evan. How you feeling, man? Uh, I think I think to to quote the the famous rapper Drake, I think uh, the word to say is I'm upset. Most of these penalties against UMass was disrespect. <laughs> so offended that both of us had to double check. <laughs> um, that's I mean I came up with that on the top, but I mean like realistically, man, it's a friggin' what is going on here? <laughs> like that that was a nuts game to watch. Like sincerely, I mean. All jokes aside, all amazing intros like that aside, I, I'm actually pretty pissed off. Like, I, I sound like I'm laughing right now because I feel like that's all I can really do at this point. Like, that's not to say, I mean, we're, we're definitely going to get into most of these penalty calls over the course of this episode for sure. But just to kind of summarize it, you know, simply like some of them, maybe they weren't, you know, like... We shouldn't be getting mad at all of them, maybe, in my opinion, but a lot of those were probably some of the most suspect calls I have ever seen in my eight years of following UMass hockey. <laughs> like, and I don't even think that that's, you know, a stretch. Like, I genuinely think that this was probably the worst ref game I've ever seen, and I'm not putting that lightly. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we put a little compilation up on Instagram of all the penalties from this game, and a lot of people from the hockey world that have no, uh, no lean – to either of these two teams saying that a lot of these calls are really bad. So we'll, we'll talk about it a little more in detail. Um, and of course, how UMass actually played in this game. Um, I thought overall they played pretty well, um, probably yeah. deserved to win. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into all that. So lineup notes going into this game. Um, Michael Cameron's still out with an injury. Last week we saw uh, Christian Sanda slide up into his spot in the top line. Liam Gorman slides up this time. Um, I disagree with that a little bit. I thought Sanda looked really good in that role last week, but that's the move. Uh, Sanda wasn't even in the lineup. He was scratched. We saw Owen Murray come back from injury. Good to see him get back. And Michael Rabble is in net. We thought that it could be Cole Brady coming off of a, a bad start from Michael Rabble in which he got pulled at Harvard, but uh, Rabble's in net, so... Um, interesting to see that there. Uh, any any thoughts for you going into this game on the lineup? Yeah, I just kind of want to echo what you said about Sanda. Like, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that he might have got hurt. I don't know. Um, I have no idea what the case actually is because, I mean, like you kind of said, I really did like the look of Sanda. He kind of provided the speed that we've been missing, you know, from Michael Cameron being gone for, what is this, like the third week now that he's out? So, I, yeah. It's either the second or the third week. Like, I think he, it's the he, third game. Uh Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's been out for a little bit, and that really sucks to see because he was, you know, pretty damn solid on that first line. But yeah, having Gorman in there, I don't know if it was a case of like just getting like a bigger body in there, just getting some more physicality. I'm not sure. But the other major thing, obviously, was Rabble. We were both pretty adamant that Cole Brady was going to get the start, at least when we talked about it in the in the preview episode. And yeah, I mean, you know, if anybody actually saw the game, you'd know, you know, what the final score was. And Rabble didn't look bad at all. You know what I mean? Like. That's kind of the major thing that I feel like Carvey kind of emphasized to us when we interviewed him was just kind of how even keeled, you know, he kind of is. So, I mean, this is clearly kind of part of his game and part of his personality. He's known to kind of, you know, give really good performances when it comes off of, you know, kind of a bad performance in the previous game. So we'll see how it goes, you know, going forward, obviously. But yeah, a little bit of a little bit. Of, I'm not going to say like a shock, but a little bit of, you know, just kind of modest surprise, I guess, when we saw that on the lineup sheet. Yeah, I would definitely a surprise. Um, hope everything's all right with Sanda, but I would say it probably didn't play too much of a role in this in this game, the outcome of this game. Uh, but we go in first period. 
Uh, there was no scoring in this period. They went into the locker room 0-0. I thought UMass actually played pretty well. I thought they had the edge in terms of quality possessions and time time with the puck and things like that. They actually got outshot 10-8 in the first period, but again, I thought UMass's chances were a bit higher quality. Uh, about halfway through the period, we get to our first really questionable penalty call of this game. Uh, Carrier, the Vermont goaltender, freezes the puck. Cam O'Neill's right on the doorstep. His feet aren't in the crease, but uh, a Vermont player uses his stick, takes out Cam O'Neill's legs. Um, you see him just kind of swipe at the skate blade and pull one of his legs out from under him. Cam O'Neill falls on the goalie, then immediately gets pounced on by the same Vermont player that that took him down. Um, and there's a roughing penalty on Cam O'Neill for this. No, no other offsetting penalty for Vermont. So that was one of the that was the first call that was like, whoa, what's what's going on here? Cam O'Neill just got taken down and he gets a roughing call. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this again. So basically for reference, I mean, you sent me the video that we posted up on uh, on the high character page. And yeah, I don't I can't tell. It looks like if anything, there should have been a tripping call on UVM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the fact that we ended up on the on the shorthand here is pretty nuts. Like, I understand, you know, if you're a ref or whatever and you see a guy falling on top of a goalie, it's never a good look. But like you're supposed to use the context as to why maybe that guy could have ended up in that situation to begin with. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like we just have, you know, we're a high character program here. Okay. We're not just going to start falling on top of goalies just for the sake of it. All right. We have more class and respect than that. There's going to end up being a reason for it. I feel like, you know, I'm not going to try and name names here. We've had a couple of incidents before with some, you know, some boneheaded plays before, but this one certainly is not one of them. You know what I mean? Like this, I don't know. It's just, when you end up like, yeah, I understand you're on the doorstep there, but that that's hockey. You know what I mean? Like things like that are going to happen. That's, you know, I feel like if anything, it should be, if anything, you're going to do matching penalties there. You know what I mean? Just for like the overall sake of like the guy literally cross-checking friggin', you know, uh, not cross-checking, but just basically like started like digging his head into the ice. Like who was jumping back on top of freaking Cam O'Neill after the play. Like, yeah, that's, he took a few cheap shots at Cam O'Neill, who was in a turtle position after this play. Yeah, like that just it, it it's pretty ridiculous. And I feel like that was what kind of kick started the whole like big time physicality that kind of really started off in this game. Like mm-hmm. and it was kind of through no fault of our own, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, it was it was just a flat out bad call. Uh, it should have been, if anything, a penalty on Vermont, in my opinion. But uh UMass goes to the penalty kill. They don't give up a goal here, which is good, but that was just the first of the bad calls in this game we go to the second period still no score uh very early into this period we get another penalty call this one's a roughing on lucas vanderboyce um uh, we know vanderboyce has been physical player all season um really like that element of his game in addition to this team he he completes what you think is just a good solid hit pins the guy to the boards chest hits him right in the chest um, right after he dumps the puck out of the zone. So see, you see it all the time from him. Pretty clean um, in terms of the rule book there on that hit. They get him for a roughing penalty. They actually take the guy that he hit also for a high sticking because on, on the hit, his stick came up and hit Vanderboys in the helmet. So uh, another another one of those questionable calls. I feel like we see this kind of hit all the time from Vanderboys. So it was a shock to see this get called a penalty. Yeah, like don't get me wrong, man. Lucas Vanderboys is not a saint, right? Like he, he'll get a little <laughs> chip, he'll get a little chippy after the whistle. That's that's his game. For for lack of a better term, he he can be a little bit. You know, he has like that like bigger Brad Marsh on him a little bit, just really mm-hmm. annoying to play against. And I get that, right? But like this is not one of those plays where he was trying to get under somebody's skin. Like that's just finishing your check. You see that play in hockey 10 times a game. You know what I mean? At least if you're a player that, you know, is a physical guy, you know, like Van Roboys is. And I don't know, man, just seeing a, a nice, hard, physical check, you know, no no head contact, no nothing, just pins him against the boards and he just falls. You know what I mean? It's a solid hockey hit. That's a hockey mm-hmm. play right there. The, this Like right there, like we're two or two on like, you know, just really weird calls where you're like, I mean, at least I guess this one's a matching, but – we had three matching penalties in this game. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's nuts. And just to really quickly touch upon it before we move on, when you said that Michael Hrabble, you know, stood strong on that power play, we, they still wore the hell out of us, you know, down on that power play. I think they had seven shots on that power play. They had, mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure UVM finished the game with, I, let me double check. I think it was 16 shots on the power play. Like, they, if they're getting a, a majority of their looks on the power play and we're gifting, the, well, not we, the refs, we're gifting them power plays all night long, 
we they I think they might have had do you know how many shots they had in the whole game? Like I know uh, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I believe it'll take me one second to check. It was it looks like they had 27 20, shots. 20, yeah, 27 shots. Um well if we're gonna count the OT, they had 28 or 29. So yep. 29 shots on the whole game, 16 of which came on the power play. That's over half their shots. That like we were absolutely suppressing them most of the night shot wise. And if they're getting gifted calls like these, like that's that's inexcusable in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we played a relatively clean game overall, and we were just getting punished for things that were frankly not penalties. Yeah, absolutely. And in this Banner Boys one, uh, obviously didn't give them a power play right away. But less than a minute later, we see UMass um, skating with the puck from behind their own net. Uh, Kolohar is just skating with a puck. A guy comes to try to hit him, catches Kolohar's leg, and trips over it behind him. Um, I guess in in real speed, it looks like O'Hara could have been sticking his leg out to trip the guy. Um, if you watch it any any slower than real speed, you'll see that the guy just skated right into O'Hara's leg that was already behind him and tripped over it. So uh, they they call O'Hara for a tripping call here, puts Vermont on the four on three power play, and this one kind of absurd when the guy falls behind the player. Just another another really bad call. Yeah, and at first, like, when I watched it, I was thinking, like, okay, like, maybe he did stick his leg out a little bit, but, like, no. Uh, he, all he's doing is occupying his own space. He's entitled to the space that he has there, you know. Like, he, he can skate as fast or as slow as he wants, you know what I mean? If he wants to saunter up to the puck, it's it's on the other player to have to go around him, you know what I mean? Like, because if he just checks him straight up, like, O'Hara doesn't have the puck there. He's skating towards it, but he doesn't have it. So if there's any contact, maybe uh, honestly, if O'Hara just wanted to go down there, you could probably call the other guy for interference. You know what I mean? Like if that's how mm-hmm. questionable that these reps are going to be throughout the like the entirety of the game, if anything, that would have been a freaking interference call on, on Vermont there. But somehow because O'Hara just manages to stay upright and the other guy decides to flop over towards the boards, you know, when he when he basically clips his back skate, that that's all of a sudden a tripping on O'Hara. Like it's not like he went into the other player. He was occupying his own space, skating towards the puck, and there's nothing else you can do. What do you want him to skate faster so his leg moves out of the way? Like he doesn't have to. He's doing his own thing. He can skate however the hell he wants. Like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm insane. Maybe I got to read the rule book better. But that doesn't look like a trip to me in any facet. You know what I mean? Like I've seen some legitimate knee on knee hits where you can call it tripping. This was not one of them. He wasn't even facing the guy. He wasn't even looking at him. He was just skating. He probably barely even knew that he was there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I think I think that's an absolutely absurd call. And yeah, no, it's just it's just a bigger clown show. The 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 deeper into the rabbit hole that we go here, I feel like. Yeah, and uh, the refs had a tendency in this game to call offsetting penalties. You said they had three. They they called two embellishments in this game, and to see that not get called embellishment when that's kind of the standard they were setting in this game is seriously um pretty interesting you must able to kill the penalty off but like you said a lot of shots put on um about 14 30 in uh into the second period we get a whistle uh saved by carrier uh just some jostling after the after the whistle like you see normally Don's Lush Mellis uh catches a a pretty pretty hard slash to the legs and then an immediate um a push from Bergmanis uh, pushes him down. Uh, doesn't seem like he went down easily at all. He just got slashed in the lower bo- lower body. Gets pushed down near his chest. They get both of these guys. They get Loschmelis for embellishment. They get Bergmanis for slashing. Um, this one's honestly pretty funny to watch. It's like you're wondering if the refs were even watching this play happen. If they called Loschmelis for embellishment because he got hit twice in two different parts of the body. But yeah, yeah this was this was their first of two embellishment calls. That was just really bad look. And the only thing that I can even kind of even remotely think to kind of save it and like say, hey, maybe this could have been matching is the fact that like there was a little bit of jostling like right after the whistle was blown a bit like to be fair, a cross check by Bergmanis to start the whole thing off. Right. Bit Mm -hmm. of a cross check, but it was fairly light, you know, whatever. You just break them up and everything's fine. You know, you get the cross check towards Lochmelis. Lochmelis basically responds with a light little slash on the on the knee. Like it was very light though. It was basically the exact same amount of force that the cross check had. So in that, in that right there, I feel like you can just make it a wash right there and everything's good. You know it's what I mean? It's normal hockey after like the that, that. Like those, those first two, like, you know, moves in my opinion, like the cross check and the little tiny slash, those, those kind of get offset in my mind. All right. Hockey play, you break them up. Everything goes on. But then Bergman decides to kind of escalate it a step farther. 
and then chase after, you know, Los Melos, give him a, a, a big slash right to the knee and then push him over right afterwards. It, how do you expect a guy not to fall down when that happens? Like, how do you embellish that? You're getting pushed. You're being physically moved toward the ground. Is he supposed to just like lock himself in place, like magnetize his feet towards the ice and just say, I cannot move here. Like there's nothing that he can do. Like he has good balance. You know, we've seen him before. He's a friggin' excellent skater. He's not just falling down for no reason. Like the fact that they think that that was actually like, you know, a flop when it was completely just unjustifiable, just pushing him over is, is unbelievable. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like it started off as just kind of a normal little after, you know, after the whistle tussle, if you will. And then it escalated. And then somehow where are the guys that are also in the box for that? It just, mm -hmm. it seems ridiculous. It seems like Bergmanis from the very beginning was the aggressor. Mm -hmm. And I can understand that sometimes you got to call matching penalties just to kind of settle things down a bit. But the precedent is already, you know what I mean? Like, this has already been a very physical game. Like, you're not controlling the game when you do this. Because stuff like this continued to happen later on. Like, this game was chippy. And it's not even like they were trying to get a wrangle on things. Like, it just seemed completely unnecessary to me. So, really, really bad call again. Maybe I got to go to ref school and understand what these guys are thinking. I might even try and do that after. Once I learn how to skate, I'll, I'll get. I'll go to ref school. We'll no, see. it's 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 fair because Vermont sees at this point that they can pretty much do anything if they knock UMass over. It's just going to get called yeah. as offsetting penalties, so they're not going to get penalized for it. No. Um, yeah, it's really really tough looking. The, the ref really let this just get out of control here. Um, right after this is when this game really got interesting. Uh, we see a solid um, solid play, like two or two three four minutes uh, without a whistle. And Ryan Ufko, he's skating along the blue line. He's able to put a wrister on. It wasn't the fastest of shots, but there was a lot of traffic. Uh, and it got through Carrier to break the tie, make it one nothing. But uh, Vermont's coach wants a challenge before the puck drops. Uh, rewind about two minutes earlier. Uh, a really strange play where a Vermont player kind of lost his balance and was falling to his knees. Scott Moore just happened to be there um, in front of him. He Moore braced himself, um, didn't even push out, but... Uh, the, the Vermont player's head caught Morrow's forearm, it looked like. Uh, like Again, Morrow was kind of just bracing himself for the impact there. Totally inadvertent. Vermont challenges. The challenge works. Uh, a major penalty gets called on Scott Morrow. The goal that happened, or the penalty happened two minutes before the goal. The goal comes back. Um, and Vermont, all of a sudden, is on a five-minute power play. So crazy turn of events there. We were uh ripped watching this game at home but uh yeah just a wild sequence yeah i thought i like we were high-fiving and smiling when we when we thought all right cool twine seeking missile alert like very cool yeah. and then it just gets absolutely ripped away from us like like you said i mean the the head contact thing is kind of the only like this is the one where i'm like all right this one's iffy you know what i mean like because like it or not that's the way the rule is man it's, it's head contact head contact you know what i mean like regardless of if it's you know inadvertent or not they're gonna call it regardless like i i feel i like in i i tend to this might be kind of like a weird like boomer take but like i kind of have this similar mentality like for football like and we're recording this on sunday so it's kind of fitting like mm -hmm. there's so many like calls that are being made now regarding like protecting like players heads and stuff like in football 90 percent of those men like this is a fast-paced game no one's trying to headhunt in these situations you know what i mean like there are some dirty players out there that do but, like, a lot of times, man, like, these guys are moving, you know, 15, 20 miles an hour, you know, around around the field or, you know, in whatever sport they're playing. Things like this are going to happen, and it freaking sucks. It's just I feel like there's genuinely nothing that Morrow could have done here to prevent it. Like, this guy's on one knee trying to make a diving poke check play. He's trying to play the puck, too. And now, all of a sudden, Morrow's caught flat-footed, and this guy's hurtling towards him. What is he supposed to do? Like, would he rather his – freaking knee hit him in the head and then you know now all of a sudden Morrow has to risk getting a dislocated kneecap like I don't really know what he's meant to do to properly protect himself when he has somebody hurtling towards him you know like going towards basically his knees and going for a very scary joint you know what I mean like I I don't think that there is a a normal play to be made here where everybody wins and I feel like UMass gets screwed over because Moro's trying to protect himself and not get just completely blindsided by a guy hurtling towards him at 10, 15 miles an hour with no control of his own body because he's on the ice sliding at him. Like, 
if you were playing NHL, that's an immediate tripping call. Like you do like the block shot animation, you hit anybody, it's an immediate trip. <laughs> like that happens every time in shell. That's not how these things get called in real life. It might have been this game because these referees are genuinely insane, but we got the crap end of the stick here, and it really freaking sucks because for us to get the goal ripped away from us on top of now all of a sudden getting a five-minute major on a play that Moro couldn't even do anything about realistically is just an absolute kick to the teeth. It really, really sucks. Yeah, it did. This is the one penalty that we're going to talk about from this game that um, I don't really – like I understand by the rule book, it was called correctly after review. Uh, I I really don't like this rule. I feel like if you see that there's no intent, it shouldn't be a major penalty. Um, and uh, if if that's the case, you can't review for minor penalties. So that's that's my qualm with the rule. Obviously, this situationally, like absolutely the worst. Like a goal gets ripped away from us. Vermont goes on the five minute power play, uh, and that's where they got a lot of their power play shots in this game. They had a full five minutes. And not too long into this power play, we see tic-tac-toe. Um, the puck ends up on the stick of Nick Ahern. He he one-times it from the right face-off dot, makes it one nothing Vermont. So uh, was was one nothing UMass. Less than two minutes later, one nothing Vermont. So two goal swing there, really really brutal. Yeah, and that's that's probably like the worst bit of it. Like, it, don't get me wrong, it was a good play by them. You know what I mean? Like it was tic-tac-toe, great goal. I still don't like the fact that they were even, you know, getting these sorts of chances though. Like again, 16 shots on their power plays, man. Like even strength, we were shutting them the hell down. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm 99% sure we were out shooting the hell out of them even strength. And that's, you know, that's kind of the real kick to the teeth here. It's just like, I felt like we were genuinely the better team. Like, I feel like we haven't even mentioned it because we've been so locked in on the penalties. Gabe Carrier played a damn good game for Vermont. Mm -hmm. Like, we were peppering him with very good looks, and he was coming up with all the saves. Like, that really does suck that we just couldn't find a way to, you know, really just find the back of the net. Like, Carrier did his job. We had four power plays ourselves. Like, I'm not going to completely absolve UMass and say that we were perfect. Like, we weren't. We went 0 for 4 on the power play. Like, that's not going to be a recipe for success. But, yeah, man, like, just have having that kind of, you know, two-goal swing, if you will, just kind of get ripped away from us friggin' not fun at all. Like, and especially with the way that it happened, you know, just these refs were just giving us something to complain about basically all night. Yeah. And obviously we had a lot of penalty killing opportunities. That's one aspect of this UMass team's game right now that concerns me a little bit. Um, Vermont came into this game three for 33 on the power play. Two of those goals were given up by UMass earlier this season. So without UMass, they have one power play goal. They get their fourth um in this game here so just the umass special teams i think could use a little work um kind of making it a little bit easy at least i test wise for teams on the power play to get the puck to the danger zones there so i would say that's one one zone for me when you when you're getting this many penalties called on you um your your special teams aren't doing the best it's not a not a great recipe for success yeah no the, i completely agree like i feel like you know on the whole for the season i mean i don't have the numbers in front of me but i'm pretty sure we're still a pretty solid power play team mm -hmm. you know we always are you know pretty freaking solid on the power play but yeah our penalty kill genuinely needs some work like that stat with vermont just owning us on the power play like the way like the way that they are is insane you know like that that really is something that will pop out to you and say like hey something needs to change here you know what i mean like i don't know if it's just like the way that we play you know our penalty kill is suited for only vermont <laughs> like I, I don't know what it is but yeah it's it's really unfortunate and you know i hope that is an area that we can clean up in a little bit because you know like you said when we have games like this you know that are gonna have basically just non-stop penalties being called regardless of if they're good calls or bad calls you know if they're being called it's not a game that suits our style of play right now we've been a very very good even strength team recently and that's encouraging that's great i'm not here to disparage that but if you want to be a holistically good team you got to be good in all situations and that is currently not the case like i don't think that we're like danger zone like you know we're, we're nine four and one on the season still this isn't the worst right. thing ever but if we want to be that crazy sick team like we think that we can be, we got to clean up some areas for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And they are able to kill off the rest of this five-minute power play. It bleeds into the third period. They're able to kill it off. And UMass really starts pouring it on here in the third period. I think they ended up with 15 shots in this mm -hmm. third period. So really pouring it on, trying to get some quality chances. And they're getting quality chances. Carrier is just making some great saves. 
Then about eight minutes into this period, we see Donzlich Mellis with the puck. He passes to Jack Musa, who's kind of in the low slot with his back to the net. He spins around, fires a no-look shot, and he's able to get it five-hole on Carrier to tie this game. Uh, man, Musa's, Musa's been electric, and to tie it right here in the third period, it's another one of those. Is this going to be the, the fourth straight game where UMass trails in the third and comes back to win it? It was a good feeling. Jack Musa's him, dude. He's, he climbed Mount Empress, you know, he's in the Himalayas, bro. Like you think the him Kardashian, bro. I don't know. I don't know what other, <laughs> what other ways to say it, but he's, he's filthy, man. Like he has been that dude when it comes to being, you know, kind of the forward spark, because, you know, we've seen it time and time again with this team. It's normally our defensemen that are making things happen. Like Ufko scored earlier in the game, got it ripped away from us. You know what I mean? Like Morrow is a massive offensive playmaker. I want to say, and this might, I don't know if this is kind of out of line, but like UMass is probably the team that is kind of just in the sense of like goal scoring and like, like chance creation. We rely on our defensemen, maybe a little too much. Mm -hmm. Like that is just kind of our overall game plan. Like we recruit extremely offensively talented, you know, defensemen, but sometimes that kind of makes us sacrifice a little bit on the defensive end. And sometimes we let up, you know, a lot of shots. It, It just seems like, you know, we haven't really had a dynamic, like crazy skilled forward to come in and just, you know, save us in games since probably Bobby Trevino. You know what I mean? Like this, this last season, you know, like, you know, the season previous, we didn't really have anybody that could just take over a game like that. You know, we have guys who could show flashes like Taylor McCarr, you know, he takes it from the, from his own end or whatever, and just takes an end to end and tries to score. That's not, you know, a winning formula. We need people that can just be, extremely dangerous the entire game and that's kind of what muse is right now you know and that this is one of those types of games where we needed something like that you know what i mean because nothing was really just kind of going our way like you know a lot of really good saves from carrier we weren't getting like a ton of insanely good offensive chances and then we find a way to just get one in you know and it's really been musa who's been a driving force behind a lot of that yeah he's he's been great this year a very pleasant surprise coming into the season. UMass is buzzing at this point. They tie the game one-to-one. They're getting a lot of shots and good high-quality chances. And a little over six minutes left in this game. See Taylor McCarr trying to skate to the puck. He gets tripped, clear as day, goes down behind the net. You think UMass is going on a power play. They're going to have a chance to take the lead late in this game. But um, the referees have a different idea. They call Taylor for embellishment. This might have been the worst one of the night. I mean, on replay... Real time, slow motion, you could see the the stick of Lombardi is both between Makar's legs and under his skate blade. Uh, I mean, Taylor goes down and he takes the stick with him just because he's so wrapped up in it around his legs. So should have been just a tripping. They get the both of them, Lombardi for tripping, Taylor for embellishment, and just another one of those in this game. Um, I, I it's, it's weird. If you watch this one back, um, you see Hanson, the referee, skate by Taylor. And, and just look down on him and give like the sassiest motion of you're gone too. Um, just seems like he really wanted to take over this game and he succeeded in that for sure. I dude, I'm watching back this video, which by the way, I'm pretty sure has gotten like 3000 more views since we started watching this or since we started recording <laughs> this video is popping off. Um, the only reason why I'm saying that is because it just shows you how like interested people are in this sort of stuff. And this is like our first kind of like viral video experience, which I think is kind of crazy, but yeah, man, Taylor McCarr, like I have I have the video frozen at the exact moment where Hansen does his little sassy point towards the box. The look of disbelief in Taylor McCarr's eyes. This is a pretty grainy video, admittedly, and I can see <laughs> how upset he is. Like it's peering into my soul right now, basically how upset he is. And I, I don't understand, like, I don't know if it had something to do with like the Vermont players' reaction, because like you can't just have your freaking twig there right in his feet. How, what is what is Taylor supposed to do? He can't skate like that. He's going to end up hitting the, the the stick with his skates regardless of what he tries to do. They're, like If that's not the most textbook tripping call, I don't know what is. Like You're not supposed to have your stick there, and it clearly affected him if he fell over. You know, like We know Taylor McCarr is a strong skater. That's, he lives behind the net, basically, and he's just doing his classic power forward, drive behind the net type of play. And yeah the really effective way of stopping that is by jamming your stick in between his legs. Guess what? It's not allowed. And somehow, apparently when, when you're doing something that's not allowed, if the other referees just thinking, eh, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just not really feeling UMass tonight. 
you can just call an embellishment on basically any play, and no matter how bad the initial penalty looks, you can just make it offsetting at will. I, 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 I dude, I don't want to go that far because I feel like it's a bit much, but like the game might need to be investigated. Like something is fundamentally wrong with how this game was refed. Like I never tend to see any sort of like hockey East official, like officiating like Twitter accounts or like, you know, like a, a good example for me is, so I'm, I'm a big Wolves fan, you know, uh, Premier League team in, in soccer. They've had three different games so far this season where a decision has gone wrong against them, whether it's like a penalty call or something like that. The, the British Premier League, they have a whole like referee, like officiating, like not like a union, but like, you know, like a spokesperson basically. And that person will literally call the teams and say, hey, we screwed up on that call. We take full accountability. Like, we're sorry, basically. The NBA has the same thing, right? Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's in a lot of major sports. Like, they'll kind of like – so the NBA is a really good example because they'll do like the final minute review or whatever, and they'll Mm -hmm. look at every single call that was done in the final minute of like a close game. And they'll say like, hey, they screwed up here. Hey, they didn't screw up here. I don't know if it's just because, like, you know, college athletics aren't as, like, you know, scrutinized and as followed, really. But I have never seen anything where, you know, like, we'll hear, you know, anything come out and say, like, hey, the ref screwed up that night. Or, like, hey, you know, like, we're checking out this game. Or, hey, you know, this referee really blew this call. I never see anything like that. I don't know if they only do internal account, like, anything, like, you know, in, you know, terms of, like, internal accountability. But I never see anything externally. Like, I never hear of anything where, like, a referee gets reprimanded or, you know, they admit that they screwed up. It's always just, we get the, you know, bad calls happen and that's the end of it. We, just, we never hear about it ever again. I think that needs to change. I like, could not agree more with you on this. On uh, Yeah, especially after that Taylor penalty, the embellishment call, that was the worst one of the night. And just just ridiculous to see that one called, especially with the, the sassiness of the referee after the play. It's so unnecessary. He's making it about him. He's not exactly. making it about the game. Like, And you guys know we have 102 episodes. You've listened to us uh, a lot. Like, we're not ones to cry about how this game Yeah, we don't get like this. This genuinely yeah. had, like, an insane effect on this game. Like, if UMass had a couple more power plays, like, who knows what could have happened. They could have had a power play here. They could have taken the lead and won this in regulation. Who knows? Um, obviously, it's a big what if, but, like, the refs are taking that into their own hands and not like allowing the players to to settle it on their own. It's just weird. Um, even in this game, they UMass uh, shot the puck all the way back down towards Rabble and they called an icing on Vermont. Um, it just <laughs> yeah. we we yeah. saw something like that in the Harvard game. They called a yeah. um, an icing on a power play, which they shouldn't have. But just back to back games of this is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, this game went to overtime, one to one. And even twice in overtime, we saw Ryan Lautenbach get taken down at the legs. They didn't call anything. The one time they decided to swallow their whistle there, which <laughs> could have really benefited UMass. Uh, and not not too long into overtime, we see Ryan Miota. He gets a, a pass off of kind of a little wraparound chance. He puts it home. Ravel really had no chance. And and that's it. Vermont wins two to one in overtime. In we you we were watching together in my apartment. You stormed out in in disgust over this one, and I was kind of feeling the same way. It was a brutal watch, and it seems like a lot of people are agreeing with us online about this one. Yeah, no, I I put on my bravest face. I gave you a nice a nice uh, handshake goodbye. I gave Soph a nice firm handshake. <laughs> said, "Hey, thank you for dinner. Have a great night." And I was putting on my biggest like Joker smile. Like I was literally like grabbing like the inside of my mouth and just like forcing it wide. <laughs> like I was just smiling <laughs> through the pain. And yeah, man, like it, I would have completely just like stormed out and just like started like screaming in my car. But then I realized that I left my sweater inside of your house. So I had to call you to bring it back out again, <laughs> which uh, really kind of detracted from my pissed off mood a little bit. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, that was kind of just the perfect summation of the night. Just nothing was going right. You know, so it I mean, to be fair, right? Like, I mean, that was a deserved goal against. I feel like like we didn't we didn't play extremely you know good defense on that final play there like i don't know who mora was watching i don't like there was just a big gap there you know like scotty was kind of watching in front of the net but he wasn't placing himself in the best possible position to try and deny a shot from miyota there but i don't know man or i forget wait was it miyota who shot that i'm sorry i missed that part but i believe it was yes okay yeah so i mean it wasn't the best defense admittedly but and we can, we can kind of, you know, theorize all we want, like what could have happened if this penalty wasn't called or this penalty wasn't called, like whatever. 
bottom line is, and the fact of the matter is, the referees sucked. You know, mainly for both sides, or I'd say mainly for UMass, but definitely it was on both sides as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they they were blowing calls left and right. It it's just unbelievable, and I'm surprised that like nobody really like. I mean, I I understand that Carvey doesn't want to like get fined by Hawk. He's not really a guy to kind of like complain about like the refs in post game, but like I am genuinely curious to see like if there is any sort of like you know overall like complaints from like the UMass guys. Like I feel like this would be a good time like for them to do so. Like I know they don't want to make excuses and we just want to put everything in our own hands and just play the best we can. It's freaking hard to play the best that you can when you're not being allowed to play the game. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 genuinely nuts. So. I don't know. Like, I, I think something definitely does need to change. Like we need to see if we're not going to see better refing, I at least want to see what their freaking justification is for some of these calls. Like mm -hmm. referees in general, across all sports, in my opinion, are a bit sheltered. And like, I get it. Like, I understand that like a lot of them face a lot of like, you know, a lot of BS from a lot of people, yeah. but I feel like some of it is genuinely justified. You know what I mean? Like, and I understand that they're human. They're not going to be perfect, but this was like the farthest from perfect that I have ever seen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, I feel like you have to expect better than that. Like if we want to start talking about, Oh, hockey East is the best conference and, you know, in collegiate athletic, like freaking prove it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how, how bad other referees are in other conferences, but if this is the gold standard, something with USA hockey needs to change. You know what I mean? Like there is a fundamental flaw in how we are, you know, teaching referees how to do their job because if this is the best of the best, like everybody says that it is that, that it's this does not hold a candle to what should be, you know, the best mm -hmm. of the best. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm really frustrated. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, you mentioned coach Carvel. He actually had some pretty funny reactions in, in real time after these penalties. I don't think he ever really got like, angry angry and yelling at the refs it was just some funny like puzzled like how can they call that yeah like hands in the sky like looking up kind of things um i'll give him a lot of credit he didn't go after them in the in the post-game press conference i have a, a quote from him here he said i thought we played pretty well we just couldn't put the puck in the net they score on the power play and i thought we should have scored in the power play a couple times i really liked how we moved the puck around i thought at times we really dominated the game we mm -hmm. scored that goal in the second period and it gets called back which is a big factor in the game but I thought we played a pretty strong road game. And I definitely agree with Coach on this. I thought UMass was the better team on Friday night. It's just with how everything played out, it wasn't wasn't meant to be. Which is another one of those cases of sometimes you don't get what you deserve. And yep. it sucks. You know, like that that's like especially when we kind of lean on that, you know, that mantra of like you get what you deserve, like it really, really goes to show that that's not always the case. And that's not to be like a discouraging thing to say like, oh, well then don't try your best. Like obviously we got to try our best every game, but sometimes there are genuinely just things that are out of your hands. You know what I mean? Like the refs really, really did not like kind of live up to the hockey standards. Like, and I feel like a big part of it was also Gabe Carey. Like Carey was nice. Yeah. He did very well against us, you know, in the previous series as well. He, he held up his end of the bargain for sure. He was a big reason for why they won. He kept them in it. But, I mean, it's just, it's super frustrating knowing, you know, we've completely dismantled teams before. You know what I mean? And it seems like that, I don't know what it is about Vermont, man. They just, they've been a thorn in our side this season. And we got to find a way to solve it. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, granted, we don't play them again until potentially the playoffs. Who knows how those are going to shake out. But, I'm you know, we're done with playing them for the regular season now. Going, going to, you know, one and two against them, a little bit discouraging, you know, especially when we're playing for, you know, really, really needed hockey East points. Like we don't want to drop games against teams that are going to be considered to most likely be on the lower end of hockey East, you know, like we need to get every point that we can. And now that we're dropping points like this, I'm, I'm not going to say it's concerning necessarily, but it's definitely a bit, a bit weird. And I'm hoping that we can kind of start to figure it out a little bit more as we, as we go farther along. Yep, and for, for those of you worried about the all-important pairwise implications from this game, UMass came in at number seven, and they only dropped two spots to number nine. So uh, Vermont's actually is surprisingly high in the pairwise this year. It definitely could have been a lot worse, but uh, not, the, not the worst outcome to get a road overtime loss uh, if, you, if you're trying to cope there. But, yeah, we've, we've cried enough about these refs, I think, deservingly yeah. so. Uh, how about we move on to awards? Let's get it. All right, so the first award that we give out is CCC, Carvel's Character and Compete, basically the player of the game. 
Um, not a lot of scoring. Kind of kind of tough to look around. You and I were digging in just eye test plus the stat sheet. Elliot McDermott. We don't talk about him a whole lot. Um, he he's not the the offensive contributor that like Scott Morrow, Ryan Ufko are from the blue line. He played a really really solid game defensively, um, moving the puck around. He got an assist on the one Musa goal, um, which was cool. And yeah, I think there was one point in this game where uh, uh, Harable was a little bit late to get over on a cross crease. McDermott was the only guy there in front of the empty net, um, kind of single handedly saved a goal on his own there. So. Really solid game from Elliot McDermott. We don't get the opportunity to talk about him too much, but I think it's pretty well-deserved here. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he played a very, very solid game. Um, he, he's been playing pretty well recently, I would just say, like, over the course of the past couple weeks. I mean, again, like, you, like, the thing is, is, like, he doesn't really have an area where he, like, inherently excels. I feel like his best attribute is probably his skating. He is a very, like, a, like he's a, he's a quick skater. He seems very fluid when he's on the puck. He's just a very, you know, traditional puck-moving defenseman. But, you know, defensively, he's looked really solid. He just kind of, like, he makes all the the right plays, it seems like. And we were we were a bit critical of him last year, I feel like. Yeah. There were definitely times where, you know, he was being thrown into situations where he wasn't really fit to, you know, succeed, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. he was kind of meant to be more of, like, a defensive defenseman. Because I think a lot of the times he was playing alongside Moro. And we know Moro, you know, at least last season was very prone to, you know, making some defensive lapses yeah. and having, you know, Elliot McDermott, who's more of a puck moving defenseman. He's not really like a shut down D man, you know, like, like Ninasari would be is a bit of a mismatch for him, you know, in terms of just overall play style. He's really picked it up this season. I think, you know, he's I think he's only playing third line minutes now. So he's kind of being put more in like I don't want to say like, you know, easier roles to succeed in, but he's definitely, you know, he's doing much better with kind of the role that he's been given now. I feel like he's mm-hmm. been much less error prone. He's been making more plays offensively and he just looks like a very, very solid hockey East defenseman right now. And I think, you know, he looked really particularly good in this game uh, against Vermont. Yeah. He's playing really well. And uh, the guy even has a, a custom shoe painting business. Hell I don't yeah. care myself. We thought we'd give him a shout out there. Yeah. Um, stay tuned to our social medias. I'll definitely throw those up there when I get them back. But uh, yeah, good job, McDermott, and we don't talk about him enough. So um, great, good to get an excuse to talk about him here for CCC. Definitely. All right. So the next award that we give out is a good try, UMass. Somebody who we think can be better in the next game. Um, this is not a shock. This is going to the refs. Uh, we don't have to talk about it very much. We've talked at nauseum about the refs so far. But uh, who else deserves this one besides the refs in this game? Maybe we'll uh, we'll give them a little shout out. It was uh. Scott Hansen and Jason Williams. Good good try, UMass, to those two right there. Dude, Scott Hansen, I've had my gripes with before, but I don't even know. Who was the other guy? Williams? Jason Williams. Jason Williams. I don't think I've ever heard of him, which I guess would be a good thing if you're a referee because if I don't know about you, you're probably decent. Yeah. I now know who he is, and that <laughs> is a bad thing. So, yeah, I mean, again, like I said, not going to harp on it too much longer, but holy crap, man. What a, you know, definitely a deserved award for sure. Yeah, it, it could go to nobody else in this game. All right, so uh, now to our custom awards. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll go first on this one. I'm going to give out the Big Sean Award. Big Sean, um, pretty well-known rap artist. He has a very popular song called Bounce Back, and that's exactly what Michael Rabble has done now for the second time this season. Uh, he had two really bad starts, one against Vermont, one against Harvard, and both times he's bounced back pretty well. Um, he didn't have to make a ton of crazy saves or anything in this game, but he finished off with 27 saves. Um, he made the ones that he needed to. He only gave up one goal in 60 minutes of hockey. So a nice solid bounce back performance from him in a game we didn't even really expect him to start. So good job, Michael Harabble. Yeah, kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, granted, that's you know, Matchler's decision to make. I mean, he's he's kind of the goalie coach, so he clearly made the right decision. You know, it didn't come out to a win, admittedly, but we, you know, we're, we, he, I, he did his part, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like he definitely did what was asked of him. The two goals against were both straight up cross creasers for the most part. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. l- you know, low to mid slot opportunities. It's not like he let in any softies like he was before. He played a very, very solid game and the goals that went in, you know, against him. Would it have been great if we got those? Of course, but you can't, you can't expect perfection every single time out of your goalie. Again, we say it every time. At least I say it every time. 
kid's 18. You know what I mean? We got to cut him a little bit of slack, but he's been playing extremely well with what we've kind of given him so far. So all plaudits, you know, going to going to Harabble for sure. But I definitely think the the bounce back award is a is a nice name for that one because this is the you know he's done it a couple times so far. You know, whenever he kind of gets yanked and has a poor performance, he he comes back in full in full effect. So great to see. Yeah, absolutely. What are you uh, giving out for your custom award? All right. So for this one, we are going with the what was it vac- vacated in Vermont award. <laughs> so I mean, pretty pretty self explanatory. He's going to Ryan Ufko because he we thought he he had gotten a goal. And we thought life was going absolutely swell, you know, find a nice little twine-seeking missile through traffic. And it gets called back through no fault of his own. You know what I mean? Like, the goal counts for us in our hearts. It was a great goal from him. He's been absolutely electric this season on the on the blue line for the most part. He's had a couple of, you know, games where he's, you know, had some missteps. Of course, he's not perfect. But he's, you know, on the whole, he's a damn good defenseman. You know, there's a reason why he's playing basically first-line minutes. You know, he's he's been that guy. So, it sucks to see that goal getting taken back. It basically completely threw the entire flow and the entire momentum that we kind of had going in our favor. And yeah, I mean, that that swing was essentially a two-goal swing off of a basically a penalty where Moro's just trying to not get his knee sliced off. You know what I mean? But yep. hey, it, it is what it is. I guess you're not allowed to protect yourself anymore. It I don't know. It's annoying. But yeah, I'm giving the vacated in Vermont award over Ufko's goal that is no longer in the box score. Yeah, a goal that uh, technically didn't happen. Um, yeah. We just wanted to give Ryan Ufko a little bit of credit because he's not going to show up on the score sheet now, but uh, at least they'll have a high-character custom award to go home with if that's any consolation, which this, this it, is, it, it isn't, remember. but we're, yeah. yeah, we just wanted to honor him because he did score. Um, the refs didn't, didn't think so at the end of the day, so good job, Ryan Ufko. Who cares what these stinky refs think anyway? That's <laughs> stink. Absolutely. All right. So that's enough. Uh, that's enough yapping about the refs in this game. Let's move on to next weekend. Um, UMass didn't fall too far in the pairwise. They're still in a pretty good standing to finish 2023 here with a home series against Alaska Anchorage. Two games next weekend, Friday and Saturday at Mullins. Um, it's going to be real interesting. We haven't seen UMass play this team in quite a while. I don't think we have played this team in the time that since we became students at UMass was that eight years ago. Um, Oof, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've played them. So I don't believe so. Um, they're they're coming into Mullins. Have to imagine that UMass is going to go out to Alaska next season. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But Alaska Anchorage, they're six eleven in one this year. They're on a three game losing streak right now. Uh, they're three and seven away from home. So not the best opponent coming in. We talked before the Harvard game about um, the end of 2023. Harvard Vermont and then two against Alaska Anchorage. UMass needing three out of four to feel good uh, going into the winter break. Now that UMass has lost at Vermont, I think we definitely need both of these games if we want to have a good feeling about this team uh, going into the second half. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm expecting us to get the job done, right? Like I'm looking at, I'm looking at Alaska's schedule here. Um, Not nothing really too, too crazy. Like, so they beat Penn state six, five, which that was a friggin' barn burner of a game. They beat and Wisconsin one. That's I was too. I was gonna get yeah. to that. So they also shut out Wisconsin. I don't remember if that was when they were you know ranked number one or not. I mean they've been in that kind of top five conversation for most of the season now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a pretty big win. But then they proceeded to get absolutely mangled five nothing the game <laughs> after. So by Alaska it, Fairbanks. Yeah. So I mean if if we look here right, so their past four games they played two against Wisconsin and then two against Alaska Fairbanks. That's four games that they've played. They've been outscored 13 to two in those past four games. So, I mean, I'm expecting like th- this team in over the past four games has been absolutely anemic offensively. Like they don't know how to score. They've lost their scoring touch. I'm hoping that that bodes well for us when we play them. That's not to say that this has been the case the entire season. Like they definitely have scored some goals throughout the season for sure. But recently, you know, actually, if we want to go back to their last five games, they've gotten outscored 16 to two. So this is not looking great for them at all. Um, they, they got mangled by Arizona State before the Wisconsin win. So I don't know, man. It's looking, it's looking, I'm not going to go out and just assume that we're just going to start battering these guys because college hockey, who knows what's going to happen. But 
on paper, if this game is purely being played on paper, I like our chances for sure. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, I wish I could give you guys a little bit more on this team. It looks like – oh, never mind. I thought they weren't listing their uh, 2023-24 statistics. They were just <laughs> really hard to find on their website. Um, yeah, just looking at them for the first time, it's bad. Uh, two goals per game, two, 2.0 goals per game. Um, low low power play conversion. They're a uh, little over 14% on the power play. It's been a concern for UMass. We'll, we'll have to see if they can – hold strong against this Alaska Anchorage team. And they're in the, they're in the negatives on the face-offs. They're under 500. So um, I think obviously you can't take any team lately. We've had some troubles with that earlier in the season, but these are two games that you absolutely must have at home for sure. Yeah. And I think the big thing that I'm seeing here, right. And this is kind of a weird thing to point out, but they're a pretty big team. Like they have one, two, three, four players on their team that are exactly six foot four and then they have another two guys so that are six five and six six respectively they got some big boys when it comes to height on the team umass has been known to be how do i like we don't really care about physical stature too much in our players it's more about the character it's more about the compete not the size of the dog in the fight it's the fight in the dog type of thing and that i mean i like i like that mentality a lot i, I mean it's it worked. We won a natty off of it. You know what I mean? Like we, we've been doing our thing, but you just, you know, like when I look back against UMass's performance against teams like BU, you know, th- those guys were big. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that this team is like BU, but I'm just saying there, there's something to be said about athleticism in college hockey and how that kind of bodes well when you're coming up against players that might not be as athletically talented. I don't think that's going to necessarily be the case against Alaska because so far, it hasn't worked out too well for them just in the season as a whole. Mm-hmm. But it is something that I noticed, and I feel like it was worth mentioning just for the sake of the podcast. They are a very large team. So Yeah, that's definitely good to note. Um, on the goaltender side of things, it looks like they have one guy that gets most of the opportunities, Jared Whale, uh, fun last name. Yeah, that's a funny he one. has 15, 14 starts this year, 2.76 goals against, and a 9-12 save percentage. So uh, pretty average stats, all things considered. Um, this team is just seems like they play a lot of low scoring games. They only get two goals a game. Their goalie has somewhat decent stats. So we'll see how that plays out. I wanted to ask you what you think is going to happen on the UMass side of things for goaltending. I'd have to imagine that each goalie, um, Ravel and Brady are each going to get a start, but, uh, I'm curious to see how you think about that. If I had to guess, I assume Ravel gets the first game. I think if he takes care of business, I think, it, and if we dominate, I think that might be like, you know, if we win like, you know, 4-1, 5-1 or something like that, nice, comfortable victory, I think you might see Cole Brady. Just to keep him fresh, he might get a game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, who knows at this point, man. I We've been we, we've been very adamant about Cole Brady getting some time, and they just said, nah. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Crabble gets both. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of a complete crapshoot. I don't know what goes through, you know, Massler's head when he comes up with these decisions. I'm not saying that they're bad decisions. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. I don't even really know his thought process because it seems yeah. like whatever I say, he sometimes will just straight up do the opposite. So if I had to guess, I think Crabble 100% gets game one. I think kind of depending on the context of the game, we'll see what happens with Brady in game two. I'm willing to bet that it's probably going to be one and one though because if Crabble has an amazing game, that means UMass has an amazing game. And that means Cole Brady is probably going to get the nod because it'll be seen as, a, as an easier game going forward. If he plays like absolute crap, it, it, I don't even know really because we might just throw Rabble back in so we can get the bounce back award again. You know, <laughs> like no, nobody really knows at this point. So I, I don't even feel like I'm willing to even come up with a, you know, a thought process, you know, when I, when I think about this. So I'll leave it at that for sure. Yeah. We'll see late in the day on Friday. Uh, check our socials. We'll have those lines reposted to check out one last note on Alaska Anchorage. Uh, they have a really bad penalty kill. They're, they're giving up goals at a 23% clip on the penalty kill. So um, one thing of note, hopefully UMass can get a, get a few power plays of their own next week. We'll, we'll see what the, the types of refs we've had lately, but yeah. you got to hope at least. Exactly. All right. So you uh, ready to move on to some of those hockey East out of town scores, and then we can hop out of here. Let's check it out. I know that one game is currently happening right now, so we might, yes. I don't, yeah. So that'll be an interesting one to go over. Yeah, so a uh, bunch of games on the schedule, as always. They start on Friday night. Um, one of, I think the highest-profile one in Hockey East was uh, New Hampshire at Maine. 
think that was like number 12 against number 14 in the rankings. I could Imagine be saying that at the beginning of the season. Yeah, That's, I would not have said that. Alphon absolutely buzzing in Maine wins five to two in that game. I think, uh, forget the main player, but somebody had a hat trick for Maine, uh, an electric Friday night up there. Um, we see Northeastern have a series with BC, uh, and Northeastern goes into BC and wins five to three on the road. They were winless in hockey East before this, and they beat the number one team in the country on the road. BC goes into Matthews the next night and beats Northeastern three to one, which was expected, but pretty good outcome from Northeastern there. That helps our pairwise uh, with our win against Northeastern earlier. So good job there. Lowell went into UConn. UConn wins two to nothing. Um, BU played at Merrimack. They won four to one and a, a lot happened in this game. Yeah, you're, you're okay. connected to the hockey East world. Um, there are a lot of major penalties. A fire alarm went off and the building had to get evacuated towards the end of the second period. Um, but BU is able to win four one. They, they switch places and play, uh, at a Gannis on Saturday night and BU wins again, five to two. And we have two games today. That's the, the rest of the schedule. Lowell is playing at Vermont and UConn is playing at Maine. I don't know if you have any score updates for those. Uh, right now, check, right. So I know going into the first intermission, Vermont was losing to Lowell two nothing. I know that. Let me just. I keep it's UVM hockey on their Twitter. I keep typing in like everything else but that. Essentially, yeah. Catamount hockey, Vermont hockey. Um, yeah. And with I mean, the way with the way UMass uh, has played against Vermont this year, we now have to root for Vermont. If if they win, it helps us in the pairwise. If they lose, it kind of knocks us down. So. Woo! Go Vermont. Anyway, um, I am never gonna say that ever again. Um, so yeah, they haven't updated their Twitter in the past forty-five minutes. Um, <laughs> so it's just yeah, two nothing Lowell. Apparently, I can check Lowell's Twitter and see what that says. I'll do a quick little search there. Looks like it's uh end of the yep. second period. Yep, two nothing. Yeah, yep. just checked, and I was posted twenty seconds ago. Amazing. But um, yeah, and then the uh, the main UConn game starts at five, and we're recording a little before that, so gotcha. you have to you have to go to social media to check out those results on your own. But uh, some interesting results, I think, definitely the most interesting is Northeastern upsetting BC on the road. Yeah, that one's absolutely insane. And then also, yeah, I don't know if you went to like the specifics of the BU Merrimack game, but yeah, mm -hmm. there was like a fire alarm that went off. Like there was, I think, like a hundred something penalty minutes because there was like essentially like a line brawl like there was just a <laughs> bunch of stuff going on in that game i dude those are some those are two kind of quirky teams you know what i mean like merrimack's always kind of like that weird guy in hockey east where it's like sometimes they'll be really nasty and you're, everybody's like how the hell did that happen and then bu is either going to be like a mid-tier team or absolutely nasty and they're absolutely nasty this season so yeah that was definitely a recipe for for some some oddities for sure but yeah, I mean that game paired, you know, with the Northeastern game, that's some crazy stuff right there for sure. Like Northeastern, I did not expect that sort of win out of them, especially against you know BC because BC has been buzzing this season. Yeah, uh, after this weekend, Northeastern's one and eight in Hockey East play, so it's and they beat number the one BC to get it. Yeah, done. on the road, crazy outcome. Um, we'll, we'll stand by not talking about the Hockey East standings until the second half of the year. So yeah. that's coming up soon. The next. Games for UMass will be against Alaska and then a three week long winter break before they get back to action with the uh, the Lake Placid game. So should be pretty fun. Got to take care of business, though, against Alaska Anchorage going in. Uh, feel good about yourself for the, the three weeks that you're sitting around during December. Yeah, that should be a fun one. Hopefully we uh, we finish out this first half strong and we can uh, we'll have some nice stuff to talk about going into the break. And then, we, yeah, because then we kick it right back off with uh, the wonderful Lake Placid trip. Right. So that yep. should be a fun one. Yeah, so uh, good stuff. Uh, hopefully we can go in on a positive note, have a couple fun episodes during that break. But uh, thank you guys for listening. I know we whined a little bit about the rest. We don't normally do that, but it just I feel like it was kind of warranted for this game. So um, if you made it this far, once again, thank you guys for listening, and go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody, and screw Scott Hansen. That guy stinks. <laughs>